Well, good morning, Harvest. Uh, last Sunday, we began a new series, a uh, six-week series we're doing up into March called This Is Who We Are and This Is What We Do. Um, we're going to be taking this uh, into March, into our 10-year anniversary, and uh, where we will be celebrating kind of our 10 years through the whole month of March with that. Um, tell you, the past 10 years are really big on my heart, um, and the next 10 years are really big on my heart right now. All of this, it's kind of incredible how sentimental I'm getting about all of this and excited. I look back at the last 10 years, and I'm just uh, stunned uh, by what God has done. Uh, just so much gratitude, so much awe for the Lord and what He has done. I look ahead at the next 10 years, and I just, uh, there's an aspect where I feel a big heavy, and I also have a big joy about how God has uh, brought us here and what uh, could happen and what he has entrusted us with. And I say the big heavy uh, just because there's a theme that goes on both in Scripture and through history. And that theme is that people, let's just kind of keep it this way, God's people uh, have a way of forgetting uh, who they are and what they have been called to do. When uh, things move along and the Lord has blessed there is just a tendency for people. We see that in the history of nations. Uh, we see that in Scripture, for sure, in the Old Testament and so forth, where God's people just kind of lose sight of who they are and what they do. So before we're entering into this month of March, it's just an important time for us to remember and consider what God has done, what God is doing uh, uh, here and now, and who we are and what we do. Um, so if you have attended this church from literally day one, uh, this series is for you. If uh, this Sunday is your first Sunday here and you're considering a church, looking for a church, or maybe this is one that you're looking at, uh, this Sunday is for you. Uh, uh, if you are anywhere in between that, uh, this Sunday is for you, and that is one way of saying uh, all in, okay? This series and uh, this Sunday is for all of us here and uh, I'm excited about that all together. Well, last Sunday, we began with uh, kind of the first of the three uh, Sundays through this series, the first every other Sunday. Uh, it's kind of the biblical theology of three core things. And the first one we hit on last Sunday was worship Christ. In fact, we like posted it on the walls here and worship Christ. This is who we are. Uh, setting that biblical foundation last week, I talked about how we were created for worship in the beginning, how we are destined to worship in eternity, we are surrounded by worship in the heavenlies, and we are invited to worship uh, at this time of redemptive history. And in theological terms, I would say doxology is the thing. Doxology is the thing. The worship and the glory of God is the thing. And uh, this first one, the worship of Christ, this is the umbrella under which everything else in these coming weeks uh, fall under, the glory of Christ, the doxology of the Lord. Well, today I'm kind of taking the worship of Christ after building kind of a theological foundation and uh, talking about this is what we do. Today is more of a pragmatic uh, time with it. But I will say this, doing this Sunday has been a challenge. Um, I don't know if a preacher ever says that up front, but I am a pretty transparent guy. Preparing for this week has been an incredible challenge because I want to get into the next weeks. 
There's just a thing about wanting to move from the worship of Christ into the next things. But, but we need to camp here on this one. And so I have worked really hard to camp myself here because I find myself running there. And if you look at your sermon notes page, this is like a bizarre looking sermon notes page because there's like these verses where in your head you are going, are you seriously kidding me? Uh, And so I'll mention what's going on there here in a second. But we're going to stay on worship of Christ and kind of drive pragmatically, if we will, in a certain aspect of it, just one more Sunday on the worship of Christ. This is what we do here. Uh, We are about the doxology of the Lord with that. So with that said, kind of clearly again and boldly, first and foremost, this church is about the worship of Christ. Okay? Awesome. Glad for you're in on that. First and foremost, that's it. So that means this. If you are here first and foremost, okay, that's an important part of this. Uh, Let me top 10 things. If you are here first and foremost to somehow make much of yourself, you've got it wrong, okay? If you or I are here first and foremost out of duty to fulfill some religious duty, you and I have it wrong. Um, If we are here to first and foremost judge or critique others or a church or a pastor or pastors, we have it wrong. Uh, If you are here to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a wife or a husband, first and foremost, you have it wrong. Now, are we we for that? So yeah. Okay? But first and foremost, that's not why we are here. If you are first and foremost here to find hobby buddies or BFFs, that's not the first and foremost reason to be here. If you are here first and foremost just to collect further biblical intellectual data, you've got it wrong. If we are here to somehow put together some emotional experience, whatever that means, uh, we have it wrong. If you are expecting to be here and first and foremost to find perfect people and perfect leadership, this isn't the church for you (laughs) because we don't have that. Uh, If we are here to first and foremost to never be hurt or disappointed by anyone, we've got it wrong. If you and I are here to get everyone behind our personal passion thing, we've got it wrong. However, if you and I are here first and foremost to lift high the name of Jesus and to worship the Lord, we've got it right. Because that's what is here. That's what this is about, first and foremost. Making much of Jesus. Not making much of me, not making much of you, but making much of who? Jesus. Making much and more of Jesus. So, Lord, I would just pray as we dive in here that uh, you would help us to remind ourselves and to grab a hold that this truly is the first and foremost thing, the glory of you. Because in all honesty, Lord, for myself, for all of us, we just have, as we'll talk in the coming weeks, we just have this tendency to run towards shiny objects. Even good things. Even things that you love. And sometimes we make those things, the idol things, the idols before you. And yet, God, you have to be front and center. You are the one who has to be foremost. 
So God, we are here for you. And uh, help us to do what we're called to do. In your name we pray, amen. Three things today, as you can see on your sermon notes page, and I want to work through them. Uh, What are ways that we make much of Christ? Number one, we make much of Christ by making much of Scripture. We make much of Christ by making much of Scripture. Making much of the Word of God makes much of God. Let me say that again. Making much of the Word of God makes much of Him. And that's what we are about here. We are about making much of Scripture. And just a billboard truth on the table. Our Creator has revealed Himself. He has. And He has revealed Himself through two ways. Uh, one is called general revelation. The general revelation, it's, it's that the Godhead has revealed itself continuously to all of mankind at all times in all places through creation and nature, through history and providence, and in the human conscience and experience. Let me say it this way. General re- revelation says, look around and look inside. Look around and look inside, and there is a creator. Uh, with that, look around. Just All of this, all of us, all of what we see out there, all of this, all of this did not happen on its own. It is not a freakish mistake. There is a creator here. I'm telling you, you can't look around and think this just randomly happened. It just doesn't make sense, friends. It just doesn't make sense. In Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Romans 1.20, for his invisible attributes have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, therefore all are without excuse. I'm just telling you from uh, looking around, you look around and you see creation and you see what's happened in history and you see all the things that are taking place around us and I just cannot come to the place, even if times when I want to come to the place, to say that there is no God, I can't come to the place to say that intellectually with honesty, come on. There is a God, there is a creator, something is more that is there, look around, also look inside. I'll just look inside. I'll tell you, those who say that there is no God, that we just live and we die and we're done, again, I'm just telling you my own story. I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. At what point in time do you just have to be intellectually honest with yourself to come to realize that there, listen, I've never been to a funeral yet where someone has said, yep, they lived, died, and they're gone. Hey, adios, my friend. As far as like there's no more existence, you always hear a connection to something more. Because people know within them, because Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has put eternity into our hearts. There is a God. And angry people or denying people might want to say that there isn't. I'm just telling you. There's got to be a God. Otherwise, what are we doing here? General revelation. And then special revelation. God's particular unfolding communication of himself to mankind. Here's just a kind of a few unique examples before we get into those host of verses you have there in your sermon notes. Just consider a couple of these as examples. Moses in Exodus 3 and 4. I mean, here's Moses walking his sheep out in the total hick world. 
I mean, it's just like out in that area where, you, where all this happened. This is just like, I don't know what he was feeding his sheep out there. I mean, there's like nothing. And yet he's walking out there in Exodus chapter 3. We find it says, God called to Moses out of the burning bush. So cool, out of creation. And said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will send you to Pharaoh, and you will bring my people out. God, hey, Moses was not looking for a job. He wasn't looking for a ministry, and we don't even see him looking for God in that. God just shows up. And God self-reveals himself to Moses. Uh, Consider Job in Job 42, kind of on a different angle. At the end of a whole series of divinely loud, crazy events of Job, Job says uh, to God, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I know that. But then he says, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Through life, God had been revealing himself more and more to Job in that. And then a one more, Saul, Acts chapter 9. I mean, like the, the, the perfect story of God revealing himself to someone. Here Saul is on his way to persecute Christians. And it says in Acts 9, and falling to the ground, he, Saul, heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, where, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? Obviously, he knew it was some divine thing. And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, listen, if there's times of special revelation, that was one, right? I mean, like, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Um, Friends, today, we are blessed to have God's full, revealed, special revelation in the 66 books of the Bible. We have them here. How do we know? How do we know God? Right here. This is how. Oh, okay. Uh, Pastor Doug, how do we know that the Bible is God's special revelation? Because I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, Pastor Doug, uh, there's a couple others that say that they are God's special revelation. Oh, I hear you. I don't have the time for all that today. Maybe another time. But I'll just say this because it says it is. Yeah. (laughs) But but so do the others. No, I, I, I get that. But I just want to say this, because we're talking about God's word. Either it is or it isn't. Because it says it is. And if it isn't, out with it. But if it is, if this is God's word, friends, oh my, we make much of it. Because it is. Along with that, what, but what about these other things? Uh, great questions, because I know in our day and age right now, that's big on the table. Listen, I don't have time to go through the historicity and the canonicity of Scripture, and, and, and we'll do that one of these days at some time. But, but I'll just comment a couple things here. Uh, just ponder these. The Mormons. Joseph Smith was the human author that penned the Book of Mormon. Uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Charles Russell was the human author that penned the New World Translation. Islam. Muhammad was said, said in the Quran through uh, the angel Gabriel, uh, penned the Quran. Each one author, one lifetime. Uh, the scriptures, the Bible, uh, 40 authors over some 1,500 years. I'm telling you from the get-go, this is different than everything else. 
uh, we could just go on and on and on. But, but I'll just add, add to this the fact that look in the Quran, look in the Jehovah's Witnesses Bible, look in the Mormon Bible, look in scriptures. Each of them claim that they are God's word, that they are the ones that are the truth and the others aren't. I can prove it from the Bible, Galatians 1.8. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. Listen, friends, God is serious about his word. And if you're not sure that the Bible is God's word, then you need to spend some time doing some study and come and ask. We'll talk. We'll give you some resources to help you to be able to understand. But I'm telling you, after going through it and working through it in my lifetime, this is God's word and the others are not. And that's why we make a big deal about this. God's word here. We make much of Christ by making much of Scripture. So let me do this. Let's let Scripture make much of Scripture. Okay? Let's let Scripture make much of Scripture here. So I have those whole series of verses for you in your sermon notes page. Uh, Normally, I would ask you to turn to them, but there's so many, and I'm going to be flying through them, and I actually have them this time written out on my card because of time. So I'm going to read through. So if you want to grab a hold of one, and we'll be there, do that. Uh, But just listen. Sometimes we've lost the art of listening uh, scripture, and so listen to all of these. God's word making much of God's word. Here we go. Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Verse 14, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Verse 37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Verse 47, I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And verse 175, let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Romans 10, 14, and 17. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2. And I, when I came to you, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or self-wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Friends, the word of God is the power of God. Ephesians six seventeen, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Oh, I could camp on that one for a while. What is the sword? What is the tool that the spirit of God uses? Answer, the word of God. The spirit of God uses the word of God. Like, if that's the tool that the spirit of God used, the third person of the Trinity, is that not like a good tool for us to use? Okay? The spirit of God is thrilled to use the word of God then same for us. 
1 Thessalonians 2.13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but it actually is the word of God, which, which is at work in you believers. 2 Timothy 3.14-17, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it and how from childhood you've been equated with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation uh, through faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, Timothy, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, that the woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And then 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, his divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. And then verses 19 and 21, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp sharding, shining in a dark place. Revelation 22, 18 and 19, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book, and they're heavy. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree and the life and in the holy city which are described in this book. Ooh, my Do you get the idea that God is big about his word and serious about his word? By the way, what have I just been doing? What I've just been doing is I've been making much of scripture through scripture. Let's just let scripture speak. Let's just let scripture speak. That's what we do here. That's what we do here. We make much of God's word because God's word makes much of God. And we are a faith family that just seeks to champion God's word. And I'll just say this. We are seeking to champion God's word in a culture that is becoming increasingly less aware of, convinced of God's word. So we, we don't need to sugarcoat it. We also don't need to turn it into baby food. This is God's word, and we put it out. That's what it is all all about. So on Sundays, we open, we walk through God's word. We're not a church that reads a verse and then is off on some personal hobby horse. Uh, The majority of the time, we're walking through books of the Bible. Now, I say that, and here we're right in the middle of a topical, and then we're going to go into March, and I'm going to actually be going back and pulling, and you are going to be helping. You're going to be invited here uh, to help if any suggestions on sermons over the last years or during the month of March. I'm going to go back and preach on those, and then April 1st is Easter, and uh, the resurrection, it's no joke. Um, I'm thinking about that as a sermon title. I think that's kind of (laughs) cool. April 1st. Um, There, some of you just got it. (laughs) On Sunday in our kids' ministries, what do we do? We champion God's Word. 
with our kids. We want our kids to come to understand what God's Word has to say. Not what I think, not what you think, not what anybody thinks, but what God's Word has to say. The women's retreat this Friday, Saturday, what's it called? It's called the Women of the Word. Women of the Word, that's what we want. I'm going to add, uh, we're even going to be looking to be bringing in some classes and courses, some I'll call them middle circle kind of things here, uh, to further equip us as men and women in God's Word and things like uh, systematic theology and Old Testament, New Testament surveys. And uh, Why would we do that? Because we want to make much of God's Word. That's who we are, and that's what we do. Secondly, We make much of Christ by making much of song. By making much of song. Making much of song to God makes much of God. Making much of song to God makes much of God. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm just going to kind of let Scripture speak here for a while. So, so listen, follow along, jump to a passage, join me there. In fact, if you want, go to Psalm 150. I'll be there here in a little bit. Exodus 15. Exodus 14 is the crossing of the Red Sea. What happens right after the crossing of the Red Sea in Exodus 14? Well, Exodus 15.1 says, Then Moses and the people of Israel had a potluck. No. They did a Bible study. No. It doesn't even say that Moses got up and preached. It says, then Moses and the people of Israel sang. They sang. They sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord for the Lord. Let chapter 15 roll. And it just goes through all that God has done and who he is. It wasn't preached, if you will. It was sang. Sung. (laughs) I just got my doctorate, by the way. (laughs) I don't even know English. 2 Samuel 22. (laughs) I still don't know which one it is right at the moment, but I'll let you laugh at my expense. Uh, Verse 1. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. By the way, throughout Scripture, notice as we read through some of these, I can feel my ears are red, as we read through some of these right now, (laughs) where you're going to hear singing includes saying. Uh, Singing includes stating. Uh, Song is not just music. Song is the whole of it all. Song is truth. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And then verse 50, for this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. Well, maybe that was just because David was a singing guy. Well, then 1 Chronicles 16, the ark is placed in the tabernacle. Verse 7, then David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord. Like, not last appointed, first appointed. And then verse 9, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of his wondrous works. Verse 23, sing to the Lord all the earth. Verse 32 and 33, let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the fields exult and everything in it. That sounds like when we're in the Psalms. 
And then it finishes, then shall the trees of the forest sing for you before the Lord. I mentioned, did animals talk before sin? No, I'm not going to trees and all that. But maybe they, that would be cool. That would be cool. The Psalms make much of song to the Lord for sure. Psalm 150, short, let me read it. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with lute. I don't even know what a lute is, but rock it. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. My wife was doing the mosh pit. Did you see that over here? Is that cool on the one song? Booyah! Sorry, babe. <laughs> Love that. Tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 12, 5 and 6. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Revelation 4 and 5, filled with singing before the throne. Chapter 5, verse 9, and they, the four creatures and the 24 presbyteros around the throne, sang a new song, saying, and then verse 12, sang with a loud voice. Then Revelation 14, the Lamb and the 144,000 standing on Mount Zion, verse 3. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. Revelation 15, 3. This is cool. And they sang the song of Moses. Revelation, or, uh, Revelation Exodus 15. Hey, It's all connected. It's all connected. And they sang the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. We make much of Christ by making much of song. That's who we are. That's what we do. Much is put into a ministry here of music. A lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of technology, a lot of planning, a lot of organizing, a lot of people and their skills that God has given them. Why? Not to make much of show performance and not to make much of self-performance, but to lead and to guide us as a people of God to make much of the Lord. That's why. Than to make much of the Lord in song. Because we are the choir. We are the choir lifting high the name of Christ in song. And we don't sing songs saying, God is all about me, 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 me. We sing songs that we are all about he, he, he. Not me, me, me. He, he, he. You'll remember that. We sing songs that say much about the Lord and songs that make much of the Lord. 
doxology. That's who we are. That's what we do. I'm just going to add, worship and song unto God is not about music style. It's just not. There's been like this music style preference war going on among churches over the last recent decades. And it's sad. It's heartbreaking. Because style is a personal preference. And style becomes more about personal preference than about worship unto the Lord. Yesterday, we were up at Second Presbyterian for a celebration service. It was like being in Europe in a church if you've ever been in the main worship center. It was awesome and totally unlike here. I mean, it was liturgical and classical music the whole way. Choir is in the back and you hear them. And it was awesome. I loved it. Singing hymns. Loved it. But I am going to say this. It wasn't my style. But it's not about style. It's about who the Lord is. Seriously, some of those words in the hymn, I don't even know what they mean to this day. It's been 24 hours and I don't know what they mean. But that's not the problem. I'm not making fun of that. For some of you, you love that style, and that's fantastic, and I appreciate it. For some of you, you love Southern Gospel, or you love bluegrass, or you love rap, whatever it is, but I'm telling you, it's not about style. And we're not the church that puts every blended style in of functionality of who we are, because actually it brings more divisiveness than unitedness. So why are we the style we are? That's because who Harvest is. And I like it. And I understand that some don't like the style. That's okay. You're not wrong. You're not bad. But know this. Whatever style it is, it's about the Lord. Because in heaven it's going to be all nations, all languages, all people, all tribes. And by the way, most likely all kinds of crazy music. We make much of Christ through Scripture, and we make much of Christ through song. Before I go to the last one, just consider this for a minute. Could we agree that the person or the people that lightly dabble in Scripture and lightly dabble in song, that that probably sets a trend for what they do in life outside of being together? I would suggest to you that a church, that a people who lightly dabble in God's word together and lightly dabble in song together live lightly dabbling the Lord. But a people that are about coming together and making much of scripture and coming together and making much of song unto the Lord, seriously, pragmatically, there's a much greater likeliness that in life, God's word is a bigger deal, and singing unto the Lord out of our hearts and our lives is a bigger deal. And so we make a deal out of it here. And I'm just so grateful for Pastor Nick and Jill and our worship teams. I'm so grateful for Pastor Cody and Luke Gard and our students who make 
much of Christ through song and student ministries. I'm so grateful for Jen Larson and all of those who are involved in our kids' ministries and making much of Jesus in song. Making much of Jesus, more of it. More of it, we raise the roof. Well, before going to point three, let me just read a couple of these interesting verses. Acts 16.25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were singing to God and praying. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 14, I will sing praise with my spirit and also with my mind. I will pray with my spirit and also with my mind. James 5, 13, is anyone among you cheerful? Let him, let her sing praise. Is anyone among you suffering? Let her, let her pray. What might be the third thing? The third thing, we make much of Christ through prayer. We make much of Christ by making much of prayer. Making much of prayer to God makes much of God. As I mentioned the other Sunday, uh, two things that I'm growing in. One of them uh, for this year is I want to have more time in prayer. I need it. I need to. As with God's Word and song, prayer is one of those things in the Christian life we can always make more of, right? Pursue more after. But we don't want to become legalistic about it because prayer and song and even time in the Word is not a checklist thing. It's not what it's about. It's about making much of prayer. That's something that we do because of who we are. We want to be a people of prayer. We don't want to do the checklist of prayer. Let me read some of the passages that you have there. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah is childless. Verse 9 and 10, after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord, and Hannah was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly, and she vowed a vow to the Lord. Verse 12, as Hannah continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved. Her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. Way to go, guys. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Thinking the best. (laughs) That's not in there. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. I love that. I love that. She's not praying incantations. She's not even going through certain things. She's just pouring her soul out before the Lord. I want to continue that theme Job chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, this is prayer, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm telling you, massive theology is right there. Because his kids were all just killed. All his employees were killed. His entire dynasty was just wiped out. That's praying from your soul. Psalm 5, 1 and 2. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. 
Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. Matthew 1.35, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he, Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Excuse me. Nothing's more annoying than... Can you imagine what it was like for the second person of the Trinity to be praying under the first person of the Trinity? John 17, 1. It's right before Gethsemane. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. And then the rest of John 17 is the high priestly prayer. Then Matthew 26, verse 36, in Gethsemane. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here for a while while I go over there and pray. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell down on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if this is possible, let this cup pass from me. me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Man, that's working it out before the Father, right? Luke tells us he sweated drops of blood. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. By the way, what, what is the Spirit's sword? The Word of God. Might the Word of God be part of prayer? I think so. James 5, 16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. Prayer. We do that here, and we want more of it here. Dedicated times of prayer, opportunities to make much of Christ in prayer, pray without ceasing, First Thessalonians. That means private prayer and public prayer. That means prayer in the car, prayer at work. That means prayer at school. That means prayer in wonderful times and prayer in hard times. Hannah times, Job times. Prayer when we feel like praying and prayer when we don't feel like praying. Prayer. More of that in me, more of that in you, more of that in us. By the way, a few opportunities to make much more of prayer. I just want to make mention of it. Um, uh, How about this? Sundays. In the car driving to work. Or church. (laughs) Prayer in the lobby. Prayer in your seat. Prayer with others needing prayer. I love it when I see that around here. Just prayer together on Sundays. Prayer in small groups. Not just as the final finish, but just like prayer. Prayer in small groups outside of small groups for small groups. Let's just not say praying for you without praying for you. How about just self-initiated times of prayer individually? as well as gathering with some people to pray. Listen, prayer isn't a program. Prayer is a life. 
Prayer isn't a program. Prayer is a life thing. And yet there are opportunities to provide for prayer. And I want to make, much, uh, I want to make a mention of a couple of them. Uh, one, Kathy Cole. Kathy, uh, over, Kathy, could you just stand? Uh, just to make mention so people know. Kathy's initiated some times of praying for moms with adult children. Um, first Thursday of the month, generally doing that from 6.45 to 8.15 p.m. in the church conference room. Ladies, if you'd like to join Kathy and a few others to pray, um, are they welcome? Absolutely. And so grateful for that. Um, Praying for adult children. Oh, by the way, not just for adult children, but even for like the little kids. Holly McCrory. Holly, are you in here? Stand up if you can so I know. There you are, Holly, just so people know. If, uh, moms in prayer, I remember Karen used to, when our kids were in school, uh, used to meet with people from other churches and pray together. And so Holly is meeting with some women every Thursday morning, 9.30 to 10.45 a.m. Uh, in the multi-purpose room right over here, praying for teachers, for students, for our schools, the administrations around. Isn't that cool? If you'd like to be a part of that, connect with Holly with that. Um, I, I could go on. I just want to make mention of uh, here personally something I've had on my agenda. I'm going to be, I won't talk to about today much, but just making mention, we're going to be having a, I'm going to be do, leading a, a last Friday of the month, uh, Face Down Fridays, and just 7 to 8 p.m., the last Friday of the month. Whoever wants to come, just come here. We're going to pray. If there's five of us, we'll pray. If there's 50 of us, we'll pray. It doesn't really matter the amount. It's not a program thing. I also just want to make mention of this. It's just kind of in my heart. For men, um, and being that the women are going to a conference, we've got this weekend, we've got about 100 women uh, headed to a conference uh, Friday and Saturday. If you're available this Friday, and I know for some of the guys you're going to be watching your kids, uh, stay home and love on them, okay? But if you're available, guys, uh, this Friday, 7, 8 o'clock, I'm just going to be here. I'm just going to be in here 7, 8 o'clock. Come on over, and we're going to pray for the women of our church. Not just for the women of the conference, but for all the women of the church. And we're just going to worship the Lord in prayer, and we're going to particularly pray for women of our church. Women, wouldn't you love that? Guys praying. So if single guys, come on. We'll pray for you. We'll pray. We're praying for all of us. Married guys, come. We'll pray. All right? And if you want to do that, we'd love to have you this Friday. Hey, what's the core thing? The core thing is, is we want to make much and more of Christ. That's the thing. That's what we want to do here. Worship Christ plastered on the walls. That's what we're about. Today's some of the pragmatics of it. Well, how do we do that? We particularly emphasize this thing of we make much of Christ by making much of his word. We also hear we make much of Christ by making much of song. And if song isn't your thing, know this. Song is God's thing. And so because even if I'm not good at it, even if it's not my thing, honestly, if I'm really understanding what the Lord's thing is, then I'll get on his thing, and I'll sing like I've never sung before, and I'll dive into God's word like I've never dived before. And lastly, we want to make much of Christ by making much of prayer. And whether it's connecting with Kathy, ladies, with that, whether it's connecting with Holly, ladies, with that, uh, whether it's getting together as groups or in your small groups. Listen, we don't want to program prayer. We want to be a people of prayer. We want to make much of Christ. Amen? Amen. So, Lord, here, that's where we're at. We want to lift your name high. We want to hold you there. 
We're coming into our 10-year anniversary, and this is a time where it's easy for us to at times be able to, as people uh, who have a tendency to be selfish and self-centered, to make much of ourselves. But God, I don't want to have that happen. We want to go into these 10-year anniversary month, and we want to make much of you in that month. And we want to glory in you. And God, we want to be that here every Sunday. We want to be a people that makes much of you and your word. Uh, God, people of the scripture, people who open their Bibles together, on their laps, in it together, studying through it, working through it, fleshing it out together, all because of you. God, a people who gather together in song, People who love all different styles of song, who have all different histories of song, and yet, God, we're coming together, uh, kind of uh, coalescing together as a people, lifting up your name high in song. And it's not even about the music particularly, it's about people who lift their hearts and their minds and their souls in good theology, who take life vertical unto you and rejoice in you and celebrate unto you and and remind ourselves of truth through song. And God, people who not only go boldly with your word, and who lift your name high through song, but people who also go face down before you in prayer. Like Hannah, like Job, pouring our lives out before you, not as a thing that we have to do, but God as a thing that we get to communion with you in that time. Spirit of God leading us and speaking out of us through your word, and God us just pouring our souls out before you not as a Santa Claus, but as the God of the universe who cares and who loves us. Time of communion, of time of rejoicing, and a time all of it is worship unto you. God, we could talk about every one of these, how we don't do these well. But I don't want to go there. I want to talk about, Lord, and, and fire us up to be a people who is more and more about going there deeper. Throwing ourselves into your word, throwing ourselves into song before you, and throwing ourselves face down in prayer before you. Oh God, it is all about you. So would you help us to increasingly be a people who worship our Savior increasingly so every moment, every day. We worship you. Amen.